Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked, where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. This podcast assumes basic knowledge of crypto and aims to explore some more advanced topics about the crypto markets, such as trading strategies, lending, and derivatives. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group. John, welcome again to Crypto Unstacked. Really looking forward to continuing our conversation today. Well, thank you, Liz. I'm, I'm very happy to be on again. I'm sorry that we were cut short last time. All good. This is a great opportunity to continue where we left off, which was about your involvement in the crypto ecosystem. We talked briefly about your two projects with the McAfee Dex and Ghostcoin and about your desire to really further open source technology. And so I'll come back to Ghostcoin in just a bit. But first, let's roll back a few years to where it all began when and how were you introduced to Bitcoin, otherwise known to crypto folks as magical internet money? And how has your view on Bitcoin changed over the years? Well, I was first introduced to a cryptocurrency in 2010 by uh, an old employee of mine. His name is James Zoromsky. He worked for me multiple times with multiple companies. Uh, I was living in Belize and he flew down with his girlfriend um, specifically to let me read the white paper. He was at that time mining Bitcoin. So I read uh, the the Bitcoin white paper uh, and understood immediately what the implications of this uh, new technology was. The new technology being the blockchain, one application of which is cryptocurrency. So, um, you know, I read the white paper and, and I saw the, the incredible power of this uh, new technology. And I also saw the fact that it was the first world-changing technology in for 100 years that did not come from a government program like uh, the army, the uh, air force, um, the, um, you know, or from uh, Apple or um, Google, Microsoft. It came from the people and it was open source. And almost everything in the crypto community since then has been open source. Now, Bitcoin was the first that sort of opened the door into a field of possibilities. Uh, And through that door and in that field have been planted um, amazing, magical things. Uh, Privacy coins like uh, Monero, 
where no one can see what you're doing and, and what's coming in and what's going out. The, the problem that Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the early technologies had was that, listen, if you send me a tenth of a Bitcoin or I send you a tenth of a Bitcoin, then forever after you can see inside my wallet and I can see inside yours. Mm. I get to see what your balance is, what, what money comes in and, and what money goes out and to where and from whom. If, if your bank did that, let's say a plumber came to your house and he wrote them a check for $20 to fix your sink. And then the plumber goes to your bank and says, um, listen, I, I want to know what Leslie's balance is. And the bank goes, oh, she has this much money. They go, interesting. Can you tell me what her last five deposits were? And the bank goes, oh, yeah, yeah, here. Uh, and would you mind telling me forever on exactly what money comes in and what goes out and to whom and mm -hmm. for how much? You would move to a different bank, would you not? Well, that's Bitcoin. Yep. That's Ethereum. Um, the newer coins, you cannot do that. The privacy coins, at least, certainly. <laughs> Monero and Safex and, and so on. And my new coin, Ghost. Um, why? Uh, because uh, you cannot have a world where everybody knows everything about everybody else's financial transactions. I mean, right. it's bad enough. Bad enough having a government, though, uh, or a hacker. But everybody? Anybody you've ever done business with forever after knows exactly how much money you have, where it came from, and where it goes. No. So those technologies like Bitcoin cannot possibly continue. <laughs> I'm sorry to put it so bluntly. When I predicted Bitcoin at $1 million, it was a joke. I was pissed off at all the Bitcoin maximalists saying, oh, Bitcoin's going to be the future. So I go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, well, Bitcoin's gonna be $100,000. And my, my advisor said, you know what, if you say 100,000, somebody might actually believe it. So I well, go, okay, at well, one point, everyone was making a prediction, right? Everyone was coming but out with some crazy but, but target. honestly, <laughs> Bitcoin cannot possibly, in five years, Bitcoin can't have any value at all. Please, people see this. <laughs> Because what is the value? Why did Bitcoin uh, get so um, uh, uh, valuable so fast? Because it was the only coin out there. And people on the uh, dark web, for example, who were taking credit cards, which could be traced to an exact uh, name, a mm -hmm. bank account, Bitcoin was preferable, right? They still couldn't find out where you were. Um, and uh, that was something. But now with the privacy coins, they can't find out anything at all well i mean that's the way it should be it's your money you worked hard for it <laughs> why should right. everybody know what you do with it so in five years bitcoin will be gone it won't have it'll have zero value anybody with any common sense who understands what the crypto technology really is now that they're they're still institutional investors can you freaking believe it that are buying it? it's like Okay, I don't know who's advising you, but I would certainly fire them. <laughs> um, but the, the newer coins, like the DAI, for example, there's some magic. DAI is what's called a stable coin, one of the many. Uh, it has never varied more than 
5% from the U.S. dollar. Why? Because that's what it's based on. Um, you can get them based on gold, diamonds, uh, uh, the euro, uh, the Russian ruble, um, the Japanese yen, whatever you want. Uh, and the newer coins never change in value from that item which they're based on. Well, that's magic, isn't it? And yet it's still cryptocurrency. So you don't have to worry about banks. You don't have to worry about where to store your gold, <laughs> where to keep your right. dollars. No, that cryptocurrency stays at the value of the asset that you wish to invest in. Oh, good Lord, is that not amazing? Um, so you've got the stable coins, you've got the, um, uh, the privacy coins, and now you have distributed exchanges, decentralized, meaning that nobody can ever shut it down, and no one knows what's happening, like my own McAfee decks, right. which, by the way, it's been in beta for five months now. Um, we're coming out... Uh, at the end of this month with the real production version, we're calling it the Ghost Exchange. Ah, um, the Ghost Exchange. Okay, so re renaming right. it. Now, unlike, now unlike the McAfee Dex, the McAfee Dex is our beta product. We're, we're trying to see exactly what can you do and how much traffic can you bear. Mm -hmm. And we allowed people to list any coin you wanted, uh, which many, many thousands have done. <laughs> Um, with the ghost exchange, no, we're just starting out with a few coins, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, DAI, Tron, Binance, and EOS. That's the beginning. You can't list a coin on your own. Not, not that we're ever going to charge people to do so. We're just trying to keep it <laughs> manageable. Right. Um, and uh, by the end of this month, uh, the ghost exchange will be up and running with the ability to cash out into fiat if you want. Now that's the first exchange, distributed exchange, a decentralized exchange in the world uh, capable of doing that. So we're gonna have the ghost exchange. Uh, we have the ghost uh, coin, which is a, a privacy coin uh, equally, if not better, uh, as good as uh, Monero and this is something also that's desperately needed. We're coming out with a privacy telephone called the ghost phone. Now, what is it? Wow. If you have any of the newer phones like Samsung S20, the Samsung uh, Flip, uh, the Samsung um, Fold, uh, the new Google phone and so on, a few phones that support eSIMs, eSIMs, electronic SIMs, um, you can turn that phone into an absolutely private entity. Now, um, it's only for data. However, I have lots of people never make phone calls. I mean, who, who actually uses the telephone? Uh, it's all text, you know. yeah. Yeah, nobody, who does it? Nobody, I mean, listen, I'm talking to you now, I can see you just as right. easily as, as if I had called you on a phone only, it's totally free. <laughs> so, for data only. Um, it's not going to be cheap, unfortunately, because it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. But it's going to be in America around, I don't know, $25 a month. Uh, and with that, you get one gigabyte free data, meaning that you can roam anywhere in the world and still get absolute 
privacy in terms of your location, number one, which is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody's looking for. Where are you? Ah, you're right around the corner from a shoe store. Well, we noticed you bought loafers two years ago. They're probably worn out now. Why don't you check this out? No, seriously, you know this is true, people. Yeah. <laughs> so you mean to say that there's no find my friend option in this phone? No, I'm sorry. There is not. I'm so sorry. <laughs> listen, there's no find uh, my friend option. just joking. Option. All right. Um, listen, you, you, you know, <laughs> you can't have everything. However... You can have complete privacy, and it's going to work in 127 countries. That's not everywhere, but it's most Incredible. of the world that most people will travel to, certainly all the developed world. Um, and we're going to be combine, combining that with the, um, the ghost exchange and mm -hmm. the ghost token to actually create a truly private world in which you can transact business if you choose. Now, if you don't care if people know what you're doing, that's fine. Um, if you have a bank account, well, anybody can track you. I mean, the government can certainly track you and find out what you're doing and where your money comes from. And you know, civil lawyers who might be suing you or anybody who gets a court order can look at what you're doing. Well, not with the ghost system. Not with the, ever, not with the ghost system. Uh, we have partnered with an Eastern uh, European country with a, a massive phone system that has uh, helped us create this system. Now, so these are among the things that I'm doing. Uh, privacy is my, uh, that's my touchstone these days. Right. It's, it's, all, it's all that matters to me because we just don't have any people. You think we do? <laughs> if you think with your phone uh, that you have any privacy at all, then I'm sorry, you do not. You don't. And the most important thing, your location with current technology is simply impossible to hide. Impossible. And so what we're doing with the ghost phone is providing that absolute, at least privacy of where you are, which mm -hmm. is 90% of your problem, folks. Anyway. I don't, I don't know if I've gotten off track. But. <laughs> no, you've touched on so many different points along the way. No, that's that's very fascinating. And talking about Ghostcoin, actually, a super interesting thing about Ghostcoin that you have on your product roadmap that I don't think many people know about, given Ghost's mission to provide, as you say, real-world use cases, right, is encrypted yes. chat. And yes. I know that you are heading into a partnership with Telegram Network, I know it's still probably early stages in conversations, uh, but yes. what can you share about this partnership with our audience? I can't. I, I'm sorry, I cannot. I cannot right now. Okay. You have to wait until the 15th, okay, <laughs> this month. Okay. Um, we are, li listen, okay, so we've had a serious problem with secrecy. I mean, we live in a world of comp competition. Uh, the biggest problem we've had is trying to keep our, and by the way, you're, you're one of the first people who have, you're the third person, actually, my apologies. I've actually talked about the ghost phone with. Um, we've been trying to keep the secret. Uh, we originally said that uh, the ghost coin was um, uh, a, a fork. 
uh, of another coin. It, it is not PIPX. It is not. I mean, we were using a little bit of PIPX code for our testing, and that was it. So we, mm -hmm. we didn't lie by saying it was a fork. We replaced that. It's an entirely new blockchain, people. A blockchain capable of being used on distributed exchanges and capable of being used on our ghost telephone. Uh, the power of that, I don't think anyone has ever conceived of, which is why I regret having to <laughs> deceive people. However, we didn't deceive anyone in a negative way. We made it look less than what it actually was. Um, because what it is, and on the, uh, on the 10th, which is two days from now, we're going to mm -hmm. be releasing the real, the real white paper, which is not a clone of the PIPX white. No, no, no. It's a, it's a completely new blockchain, people. I'm sorry for having misled you. Uh, but we could not, up until this point, talk about the truth of, of what uh, the ghost coin could do. Uh, it's going to be the first coin that can be used on an extremely private uh, VPN. It, it, it's more than a VPN, people. I mean, it, it's basically for every phone that allows... Um, uh, the e-SIMs, the emulated SIMs, where you don't have a little card that you put in. We, we send people a, a scan code, you scan it, and suddenly you're on our telephone network, the ghost telephone network. You have no idea how hard we have worked for years oh. to create this. So the ghost network, like the AT&T or, um, or any other network, is is a completely unique new concept using eSIMs. Thank God they came along <laughs> because uh, they were number one, they were needed. Right. And number two, they gave us that opportunity that I've been looking for for years. So, yeah, if, uh, it's not cheap. It's going to be $24.95 in America per month. Uh, about the same in Europe. In some places, it's going to be $50 a month, like in third world countries, because of the robber barons that mm -hmm. own the local, you know, you understand. But in America, Europe, $24.95 per month. Um, but, but still, and we're also, we're giving you, with that 24, one gigabyte uh, of free data. I mean, that's not small. Um, but it's the only telephone system in the world that guarantees your absolute privacy of location. Now, everything else, I can help you. I mean, if you're using some, you know, open piece of software through the network, because this is purely data only now, data only, but I'm talking to you through data, am I not? <laughs> uh, data only. Uh, if you're using something that people hack into, we can't help you, people. Uh, if you're using Signal or some private uh, uh, system which guarantees uh, security, that's fine. But even then, even then, they will never find out where you are, which is the biggest problem, if you think about it. It's the biggest problem. What what does Google track? What does Facebook track? What does, what does um, Twitter track? Where are you? Because mm -hmm. that's so important. I mean, think, think like governments and the coronavirus uh, created a series of applications uh, to simply locate where you are 
who you're talking to and who they're seriously isn't that the scariest thing in the world well with with the ghost phone it's just not possible people it's just not possible now we're limited currently it has to be a samsung s20 uh, or a, a flip a samsung flip or a samsung uh, i love the folding screen i don't know how long that's going to last i probably going to break in a year but anyway um <laughs> Uh, uh, or the latest Google, latest latest iPhone. Yes, but I, I think in six months, almost every manufacturer is going to be putting out eSIM capable phones. And in that case, then it'll help you scale as well. Yeah, help, yeah, it'll help us scale. So I apologize that we can't help you if you have an S10 or an old iPhone or something. But it's the beginning. Absolutely. No, that's super fascinating. And I want to zoom out actually on your thoughts on crypto as a whole. You know, you said that crypto is a door to free ourselves from financial slavery, right? Um, but you don't see it necessarily as an investment opportunity, which is what a lot of folks see it as, right? You don't see it as a speculative tool or a hedge against fiat currencies no. or inflation, right? But to your point earlier, there are a lot of institutional investors, such as hedge fund manager Paul Tudor Jones, right, who compared investing in Bitcoin and buying gold in the 1970s, uh, you know, calling it the fastest horse in the race. So tycoon to tycoon, if you're sitting face to face with Paul Tudor Jones and chatting about his decision to invest in Bitcoin, what would you say to him? I would say that, that let's not use Bitcoin, let's use cryptocurrency. I would say that Investing in cryptocurrency is like uh, buying the first Model T automobile from Ford company. And instead of learning how to drive so you can get around 10 times faster than a horse and, and much more convenience and uh, you don't have to feed it and, and put horseshoes on it, you're taking it and you are Okay, I've got a Model T. Who wants a Model T? And you're selling it again. You're keeping them in fucking garages. Excuse my language. You're keeping them in garages. And um, uh, you're using the Model T as an investment. Do you realize what you would have missed? <laughs> and that's what people are doing now. They're, they're investing in Monero and Ethereum and Bitcoin and all the the thousands of cryptocurrencies hoping to make a quick buck rather than using them to free yourselves from financial slavery and if you think you're not in financial slavery let me let me pose uh, the following situation to you you're in america uh, you need the united states dollar in order to pay your rent put your kids through school uh, to uh, buy insurance, uh, whatever. You can't do anything without it. And who, who owns that? Do you think you own the dollars? <laughs> no. <laughs> They're owned yeah. by, the, by the Fed. And the Fed can at any time. Well, by the way, they just did it. The Fed just out of thin air created 2.2 billion new dollars. What do you think that does to the dollars that you've worked so hard for and saved? 
it, it devalues them by 10%. And what if they decide to do another 2 trillion or 20 trillion, which will make all of those dollars that you worked so hard for worth eight cents. Now, that's where you are. If you think that's not financial slavery, please tell me what is. Isn't it better to be able to work for something and know that what you worked for will last? Now, if you're investing in Bitcoin or something like that, well, you can't be assured. But there are all kinds of crypto technologies. If you want to put your money in a safe place, first of all, there are stable coins. Now, some of them, like DAI, are based on the U.S. dollar. So if the U.S. dollar goes down, so does your so all crypto. Right. But, but no, you can get them based on anything. The euro, a basket of currencies. Gold, platinum, silver, diamonds. You can get cryptocurrency based on anything. Now, why? We have cracked that technological problem of creating a cryptocurrency which is stable. They're called stable coins. DAI, for example, it has never, ever varied more than 1% from the US dollar up or down. It was designed that way. Um, and, it's, and it's been going on for years. Uh, many people are using it. Uh, if, if you're investing in the market, which please don't do that, people use these coins rather than invest them. But if you are, and the market's going south, you don't have to get out into dollars or yens or euros anymore. Just flip it over into DAI. <laughs> right. Sitting Good right there. <laughs> Good. Yes. Um, so these, to me, this is magic. I mean, it's seriously magic, people. I mean, for those of you who do not understand programming and, and computer technologies and the blockchain, uh, I want to tell you now, when I first, in 2010, heard of the blockchain and the first cryptocurrency, I would never have dreamed that this could happen. And that first cryptocurrency, by the way, was Bitcoin. I'm sorry, it is very ancient, creaky, and old. It used to be the everybody used Bitcoin. Nobody does anymore. Go on the dark. I'm sorry to keep harping on the dark web. People, well, wow, that's where criminals are. Well, yeah, of course. Silk Road got shut down. Aren't, it was aren't, the aren't best criminals place to use Bitcoin. Aren't, aren't criminals the first people to use uh, technologies that are useful? They use Bitcoin. Nobody, nobody on the dark web ever takes Bitcoin anymore. Nobody. It's 100% Monero. End of fucking story. Um, why? Because Monero gives what people want. Now, you think, well, what criminals want is not what people want. Are you insane? Please, God, people, let's, let's look. Criminals go, the telephone, when the telephone was invented, who put it to its biggest and widest use? The, the mafia, the mob in America, the gangsters. Why? They could coordinate nationwide criminal activities with it. Um, we all eventually started using it. What if we had said, oh, you stop that. Telephones are bad because they're being used by criminals. What about the car, the automobile? When the V, when, not the V8, when the first eight-cylinder uh, engine came out in 1932, who bought it first? Criminals. Why? 
You could rob a bank, get to your car, and outrun the police who had the old four or six cylinder engines, right? The police are always a few years behind. <laughs> Does that mean cars are bad? Terrible, we should not have cars because criminals, well, please, people, every technology that we value today was first used by who? Criminals. The criminal mind is, <laughs> I, I it's quick. to say, it's quick and creative. Yeah. I, right. I'm sorry to tell you the truth, but it is. Does that mean that those things that criminals pick up, like Monero, Monero, they're all on Monero now. They're over like flies. Why? Because no one will ever know who the criminal is, <laughs> what they purchased, or where their money came from. Now you go, well, that's horrible. We've got to end it, like America. America's, it, I, I promise you, America will soon outlaw Monero. Um, and, and they can do so because Monero is unfortunately uh, able to be exchanged only on centralized exchanges because Monero can only be exchanged on centralized exchanges. Why is that a problem? Because a centralized exchange has a, a location, an office, uh, a stamp. Um, electricity going in and servers that are processing things like China. Three years ago, China overnight shut down every crypto exchange in China. How'd they do it? Well, they had your address. <laughs> they knew what building you were in. You know, I'm not sure exactly how they did it, whether they walked through and arrested everybody or just shut the electricity off. I don't know. So that is the weakness to Monero. So before we move on to the next topic, let's take a quick break and hear a few words about Amber Group. This episode of the Crypto Unstacked podcast is presented by Amber Group. Amber Group is a fully integrated crypto finance platform offering a suite of secondary market services across trading, wealth management, and financing solutions. We are backed by some amazing investors such as Paradigm and Pantera and work with clients and partners all over the world. Head on over to ambergroup.io to learn more about us. That's A-M-B-E-R-G-R-O-U-P dot I-O. Which is why I developed the ghost coin, which uh, we announced uh, about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, in on the 24th, it will go live uh, on the ghost uh, network. It's a proof of stake coin, and um, it's it's done extremely well because I think people understand that um, um, privacy coins are the future. Now, uh, Ghost has done way way better than we had ever hoped, uh, but even now it is just one thousandth of what it will be. Um, I think when our network goes live um, and those coin holders uh, swap, get to swap for the real live ghost network coin, it's going to go crazy. Uh, what's the value of ghost? You can exchange it. Um, right now, the McAfee Dex, uh, the, the distributed exchange, but we're coming out uh, very soon with the ghost exchange 
Ghost exchange, why? Because on the exchange, you're a ghost. It's a true distributed, uh, decentralized exchange, meaning nobody owns it, nobody runs it, no one can, can affect it. Um, when it goes live, it will only have a few coins. It will be um, the ghost coin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, DAI, Binance, Tron, and EOS. That's only six. There's six of the largest people. Right. Um, the most liquid and pairs. And we will add, pardon? The most liquid pairs, right? Which is, which are the yes, ones right. that matter? The most, right. They're the ones that matter, okay? Um, and on the ghost exchange, you can't shut it down. Why? It's smart contracts on the blockchains. It's, um, uh, it's something that's outside of my control once we've implemented it. I can't change it. Uh, we ask no information from people. There's no uh, anti-money laundering. There's no no your customer. No mm -hmm. ask name, address. We don't keep an IP address. We don't ask for email address. Nothing. You just pass through the portal and start exchanging. Now, this was the most difficult technological project I've ever approached. And, and listen, I've done some difficult technological things. I, I built back at right. the antivirus, and I thought mm -hmm. that was some complex business. No, 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 this was complex, okay? Uh, but this month, it will all be up, it will all be running. Um, and uh, two months from now, the ghost telephone will be up and running. Do you understand that that gives people, if they choose, you don't have to, if you don't want to be private, right. that's your business. You right, but you're giving them a private If you want ecosystem. to be private, if you want privacy, you can't get more privacy than these three functions. A private phone mm -hmm. that can't ever be located. Think about it. Even though as you're roaming, you can still use it wherever you go in the world. 120 some countries if if you stay within that realm but all the developed countries and many of the underdog countries uh, wherever you go no one will know where you are and depending on what software you want to use signal or, or whatever um you can also maintain privacy as well as communication so we don't guarantee that i'm sorry <laughs> depending on mm -hmm. It's up to you people who store what software you use. But we can certainly guarantee no one will know where you are. If you if you take a trip from New York to London, nobody will know unless it's people you told, I'm going to London. Um, if you don't see the value in that, then you haven't noticed what, what inroads Google, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media uh, have made into finding out where you are to the very foot. Mm. Why? That's how you're marketed to, do you understand? And it's also how you're traced. Governments will trace you uh, through that same uh, system. So I, I think this is my, it'll be my last project. I'm 74. <laughs> and, and to be frank with you, I, I would much rather be fishing on the banks of a quiet river <laughs> and doing what I'm doing, but no one else is doing it. No one else is doing it. So somebody has to people. 
and, and listen, it, you know, whatever comes next, if you don't do it, I'm not. I'm giving up. Okay. <laughs> well, you've done so, quite a fair bit, my friend, uh, over the years. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, a, a ton of ventures, you know, starting from, oh gosh, it must have been 1980s, right? Was when you really. 19, 1987 was when I started. I, I did many, many entrepreneurial projects before then, but 1987 was uh, the inception of McAfee antivirus. Right. And that was just a, a fluke. It was simply an opportunity. I mean, my brother in law, I remember this well. July of 1987 was reading uh, in a newspaper, the San Jose Mercury News in Silicon Valley. I, I'd been working in Silicon Valley for many years before that. I was uh, at that time working for Lockheed Corporation on a black program. A black program is a program that doesn't exist. Right? It's part of the American government. Uh, you get in doesn't exist. You just disappear into the bowels of emptiness. Um, and yet, I was I was working on one. Lockheed is a defense contractor, manufactures everything from uh, military airplanes to you name it. Um, anyway, so I was just I think it's Sunday. He was reading this uh, article. That hey, look at this. This thing called a computer virus. I go, what? Let me have that. And I read the article that described a piece of software written by two brothers in Lahore, Pakistan. Uh, they, they had a computer re repair shop, that's all. And yet they had the cleverness to conceive of an entity. It was the world's first true artificial intelligence. What is artificial intelligence? I mean, as far as computer viruses are concerned, there are programs with a few functions. Number one, survive in order to do that hide and number three propagate that is multiply and uh expand it met all of those characteristics it was freaky mm. uh, the day after i read the article i got a copy from a friend of mine at uh, stanford university because they were the first one to, to get it um i took it apart disassembled it it took me maybe a half a day to read it and understand it. I'm pretty good at reading uh, code. Or was. Um, and I go, wow, this is the most incredible thing I've ever conceived of. A piece of software that wants to survive, wants to live, wants to propagate and multiply. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I actually tried reaching these guys. And, to hire them, actually. I said, I want to hire these guys. I, I didn't realize at the time that they would become pariahs and wanted by governments around the world. Because it was oh, really? actually... It, wow. Well, it did, it did damage. That was, I don't know why they put that in there. It didn't have to. I don't know why, but they did. Um, and so I, I just wrote a program. It took me one day uh, to find it and remove it. And I put it up for free. Uh, on my, I owned at that time or ran the largest bulletin board system in Silicon Valley. It's called the Home Base BBS. We had 32 phone lines coming. This is before the internet, folks. We had no internet. Everything was BBSs, bulletin board systems, and people would download from one, and if the, if the software was good, they'd upload to another. 
stage. A few weeks later, I had uh, 10 million users of that program. Um, and then the rest is history. Six months later, we had $30 million in the bank. And then a year later, we Incredible. went public. And, and then a few years after that, we sold to Intel for $7.8 billion. I, I don't know how that happened. That wasn't my doing. I was just long <laughs> the ride. Okay. Um, Wow. But I think that that's the that's the formula for most success in software. I mean, Bill Gates was that was an accident. Do you understand I me? Mean, do you think, oh, Bill Gates was no? He wasn't a planner. He was some kid <laughs> writing code, right? And IBM just happened to notice that Apple had uh, put out the first personal computer. They go, we're going to do the same thing. Now, IBM at that time was one of the greatest hardware developers in the world and one of the worst software developers. So they built the first IBM PC based on the 8080, the Intel 8080 architecture. That was the brains uh, of the, the computer. There were only two operating systems for it at the time. One was a thing called uh, um, DOS, uh, built by, um, what's the name of the company? In, in San Diego, California. Uh, digital research, DR. It's called DR DOS. That was it. The other one was of uh, two two young kids in Seattle, Washington. Bill Gates and his partner called MS DOS. Um, they first went to uh, DR DOS in San Diego, like because they were a bigger company, about twelve people. And IBM said, "Here, we want to sign this contract. We want to do business." Well, the owner of the DR DOS said, well, I need my lawyers to look at this. They go, we don't have time. They packed up, flew the same day, the same day, to Seattle. I talked to Bill Gates, and he said, where do I sign? <laughs> he was smart. And he signed, yeah. and that was it. Otherwise, Bill Gates would have been a footnote, if at all, uh, in the history uh, of software. But no. It was just luck, and he latched onto that luck, like me with um, with computer viruses, uh, right. like like every single person who is successful in software. Nobody had a plan. Nobody ever has a plan. If you got a plan, burn it, throw it away, <laughs> and do something else. Because yeah. what creates companies is not a plan. It's not an idea. I, you know what ideas are worth? Nothing. Zero. We all have ideas every freaking day. Oh, I've got a great idea. It's worth zero. Zero. You know, it's worth anything as a product, people. Forget but your ideas. Yeah. If, you, if you can't make a product from it yourself, burn it and get drunk and go to a movie. It's much more productive. So... Um, so yeah, it's all opportunity. Now, what what does opportunity require? Um, courage, uh, a lot of courage, because to take a truly great opportunity requires a lot of risk. I had to quit Lockheed. As soon as I saw the people, <laughs> someone said, "Do you know there are millions of people using that tiny program?" I go, "No." Um, I had to quit my job. I had no money coming in. If 
from the software, you'd have to give it out for free. Um, but if I was going to make something, I had to quit my job. My wife almost left me. I took every single risk a person can take, um, turned into $7.8 billion. I could have turned into being thrown out of the house <laughs> and living on the street, starving. Do you understand? Because it's like risk. It, mm -hmm. yes, yes, you cannot, you cannot succeed without horrendous risks, people. If you think you're going to succeed big, you'd better be willing to risk everything you have, your kids, your house, your car, your job, your parents, everything. If you're not willing to do that, <laughs> stay in the job you have. Because whatever plan you think you have, <laughs> Shakespeare said it best. The best laid plans of mice and men oft go astray. In mm -hmm. my experience, not oft, 100% of the time. If you've got a plan, you're going to fail. I'm telling you, you will fail. If there's an opportunity that whizzes by your nose, grab it. Are you willing to risk losing everything you have that you value? Your money, your car, your house, your friends, your wife, your husband. If you're not, stay in your job and forget the plan. Because your plan, people, <laughs> will never, never fucking, excuse me. Will never work. <laughs> this is incredible. I can keep talking to you for hours and I hope we get an opportunity <laughs> in the future. I mean, I'm just sitting here soaking in everything and coming up with more questions. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Right. Bye bye. As always, hope you enjoyed this week's Cup of Crypto. If you like what you heard, please share and subscribe on Spotify and anchor.fm slash crypto unstacked. Do engage with us through social media. I'll provide details in the show notes. And connect with me on Twitter at Les Lambo. That's L-E-S-L-A-M-B-0. Would love to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care and see you at our next episode.